I think for us, I mean, an interesting one is going to be AI for sure and how that's going to impact the search industry and already is. I mean, this year we've just seen so much rapid change and I think it's definitely changing our industry really fast. And for communications, it's going to be interesting to see how that impacts us as well. Um, I do think that the human element is still really relevant and really important. Welcome to another episode of Communicating Purpose. I'm John Higginson, and I believe that the best way to get a message across clearly is by talking about something you honestly and passionately believe in. By doing so, you bring people with you. Your passion becomes theirs, and I call this the power of purpose, and you are listening to Communicating Purpose. On today's episode, joined by Susie Peddy, Global Communications Manager at Ecosia, Ecosia is a search engine that plants trees for every search made. Since it was launched, over 20 million Ecosia users have planted more than 150 million trees around the world. Before joining Ecosia, Susie was a global PR manager for a different travel search engine firm. Susie is also the co-founder of Live UTI Free, an organization which helps improve awareness and understanding of UTIs. Susie. Welcome to today's podcast and tell us a bit about your journey to where you are today. Sure, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'll I'll start right at the very beginning, which is that I grew up in beautiful New Zealand, (laughs) which is a a lovely place to to grow up and really fostered a passion for the outdoors and the environment. So I spent a lot of time in the outdoors growing up and I took that passion through to my studies. So I I studied law, but really with a focus on environmental and climate change law. And my my first role out of uni was um, in environmental policy for a very small NGO in New Zealand. And it was a great role, actually. It was a really small team. And I think the good thing about that is I had to become a little bit of a jack of all trades. (laughs) So I really had to do a whole spectrum of work from advocacy and policy work, making submissions to government on sort of freshwater issues. Uh, right through to event management um, for large conferences. And then I even taught myself some basic web coding <laughs> and redesigned the website. So it was very it was very basic. I don't think it would stand up today, but it did the job then. Um, uh, but it was a really good kind of first first start. And it started to found this like interest in storytelling and really getting a strong message across in that environmental work. Um, I took a little bit of a hiatus out of environmental work and moved to Berlin and where I lived for um, over half a decade, which is was kind of crazy. It flew by. Uh, but I was working for tech companies there and I was building up my skills in comms and marketing, uh, working for, for tech um, companies in the travel industry. Uh, so I built up a, a kind of my skills there, but then I really wanted to get back into that environmental work. And the, the role where I am now, Ecosia, is kind of a wonderful marriage of all of that that tech um, work that I built up, but then also the environmental kind of focus and that passion that I really have for telling that story and encouraging people to, to have a more positive impact on the world. So 
I'm, uh, I'm feeling very lucky. And then I actually did move back to New Zealand during COVID. <laughs> so COVID pushed me um, home for a bit where I've actually started a family. So I'm feeling lucky to be able to work for Ecosia from this beautiful part of the world currently. Well, <laughs> well, we know lots of people that are New Zealanders did 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 move back. And, and, uh, and uh, as we know, it's a beautiful country. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, so, so thanks for speaking to us from the other side of the world today. Um, yeah, um, so just tell me a bit about, a bit more about Ecosia then. Yeah, absolutely. Ecosia is a green tech company. So our main product at the moment is our search engine. It's a green search engine. So it's like an alternative to other major search engines like Google, for example, to use it in exactly the same way. But the key difference is that we put 100% of our profits into uh, green climate action. So the majority to date has been reforestation projects around the world. So as you mentioned, we've planted, well, it's actually now over 180 million trees um, in over 35 countries. So huge reach. Um, we've been around since 2009. So we're very well established. And it's a completely for purpose company to the point that it's actually steward owned. And so our CEO, Christian Cole, is so disinterested in being a um, a billionaire that he has given away his right legally to ever sell or profit from the company, which is really, really interesting. And from a comms perspective, a fantastic story to tell. So uh, it's, yeah. it's a great, it's a great place. We've, we're also um, putting a lot of money into green initiatives like renewable energy. So we're currently fully renewable to over um, 200% actually. So all of our searches are powered by solar energy at the moment. Uh, we also have green investments like regenerative agriculture um, and a growing portfolio of projects like that so great and um yeah since we since we had our pre-talk um i've i've put ecosia is is my um default browser now um and, and and for listeners it really does work in exactly the same way as, as, as Google. There won't be many listeners out there whose main competitor is essentially one of the biggest firms in the world where 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 the competitor's name has become a verb, you know, to yes. Google something. Uh, so that's a real big challenge in itself, isn't it? Um, Absolutely. Tell us about how you, how you uh, uh, deal with that kind of challenge. Yeah, it's a really interesting one, um, particularly because... I mean, Google is a competitor, but they're also a partner. So, and similarly with uh, Microsoft, for example, we partnered with we've partnered with Microsoft, um, and, and more recently with Google as well. So, it is really interesting in that sense. There's only a couple of search engines that have their own index, um, Google and Microsoft being two of the main ones. And so, most alternative search engines are drawing their results from them and then adding on features which we do, right. like we have green features on top of that, like our green leaf icon, which highlights um, sustainable companies or our fossil fuel icon, which has a little coal plant icon Good. next to um, <laughs> fossil, fossil fuel. Okay, um, okay. So, so, you're, so, so when you search using Encosia, it's actually using Google at the back end to do those searches, is that right? It's pulling, it's pulling, it's pulling searches from, from a, a range of sources, including Google, Thing, um, yeah, and then and adding I, another. 
and I was and I was really pleased to see that Higginson Strategy has one of those green leaf icons on it. So that's really good. Ah, to see. that's great. <laughs> well done. And that, and that might be as a result of us being a B Corp. I don't know. Yeah, don't know absolutely. Exactly what, yeah. what what um what the algorithm was for that, but but that's yeah. probably quite likely. Um, so just tell us about your journey into purpose led communications, because I because I kind of take it it's a bit of a it was a bit of a light bulb moment for you. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. So, so as I mentioned, there was a time where I was not working um, in environmental work and I was working in the, the travel industry um, for a very large, very successful, very much for profit and kind of all about growth company. Um, and as actually, as you mentioned, in my, in my spare time, so kind of outside, I was trying to find that purpose and I did found a women's health advocacy platform Live UTI Free, um, which is addressing one of the most common health issues globally for women worldwide. So that definitely brought purpose into my life um, in that way that was kind of in my spare time. So it was creeping in around the edges. But I had a bit of a light bulb moment where um, our company at the time um, in the travel industry acquired a competitor. And so there was sort of a double up of teams. So there were two marketing teams and we were working, we were working really well together. Um, but of course, for the company, it didn't really make sense from a profit perspective. Um, they really needed to trim back and they did it quite um, suddenly <laughs> in, a, in a, a day. So I went to work as, as normal on a morning and then within kind of a few hours, basically the entire team had <laughs> being let go aside from myself and just a few other people um so we were sort of sitting in a sea of empty desks and I continued working there for a while but I think that was a moment where I thought hang on a minute I I don't want to be working for a company where I really don't feel super passionate about about the purpose behind it um yeah of course and so my my next move was very intentional um you know I, I really wanted to make sure I spent my time and my my days on something that I really cared about not just my spare time, but my day to day as well. And so, the move to Ecosia was a very deliberate um, yeah. and really positive move for me. And I mean, I have to say, I've been so grateful for for that experience um, and for that company and, and what I learned there. And I had the most awesome teams and colleagues, and it was a really great experience. But um, for me personally, working for Purpose has been much more rewarding. Yeah, yeah. and actually, that that kind of brings me over to the. Um the 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 three p's that you get in um, purpose-led companies and it's per purpose uh people and profit or, or or planet people and profit those are those three p's there um and um and actually it's that people element that you're that you're talking about there i mean that's obviously going to be hugely damaging to morale to, to to be working with a team some of whom are you believe are very good that they've lost their job not not because they've done their job badly but they've just you know randomly uh, uh, um, been chosen as the ones that aren't aren't, aren't gonna aren't gonna keep their keep their jobs um, and and that there's lots of evidence out there especially B Corp organizations that actually when you look after the people in your firm um, you get much better results and so I think lot more and more businesses are kind of waking up to this that actually um, looking after people and planet is actually good for growth as well. You can get profit as well. You don't need, it doesn't need to be one or the other. I know with Ecosia, you've got a very definite uh, a boss there that's decided he does not want to be one of the tech giants. Uh, um, absolutely fine. He's not going to be uh, uh, 
building a rocket to go to Mars. Um, <laughs> but um, but it doesn't mean that you can't go go for profit. It isn't a dirty word. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, uh, and we, yeah. I mean we're a we're a we say not for profit, but it has a different meaning to non profits. So we're not a charity in that sense. So we're very much making good profit, and we we weathered COVID really well. And uh, we managed to keep planting. You know, we were very open with our users. We did have to cut back some of our tree planting temporarily during COVID, yeah. um, for for you know obvious reasons. But but in terms of our our team, you know, we we got through absolutely fine. There were no layoffs um, because. Because they've built the, the company in a sustainable way and that they have um, funds ready for those kind of times so that they can get through. It's not all about kind of boom and bust, which is which is really nice. And it definitely builds trust in the team, I think. Great. What's been one of your biggest communication wins over, over your career? Yeah, big, big question. I think um, I think one one that's been been really interesting, and I mean it's ongoing, but I can talk about kind of a, a phase of this, which was coming back to Google as being being a both partner, but also definitely a competitor and the importance of a healthy um, competition in the market, um, which we really, we really like to try and ensure that that continues. So there was a moment in about 2018, EU Commission actually fined Google uh, because they were, basically they were setting up Android devices and putting Chrome in there as the default and Google um, programs. And so a new user would get their device and, you know, Chrome would be set up as a search browser. And they wouldn't even think about it twice and they'd just go on and that would be that. Uh, so there was never kind of a visibility for other search engines. So um, we got together, well, there was a fine from the EU Commission and then Google actually said, fine, we'll, we'll put in a choice screen. So they, they put in an op- options like showing four or five different providers but then they actually brought in an auction process. So they said that you had to pay to appear. So basically, for not, not for profit, like for a, for a cozier, having to pay money to appear on that screen rather than just doing it by market share or kind of a random rolling choice, it just didn't feel fair. So in that case, it was a kind of a policy comms bridge, I guess. Um, we ended up writing an open letter with other alternative search engines to the EU Commission we got some really nice press around that, uh, and the result was that Google actually dropped that auction process. So it was a it was a really positive um, moment for us, definitely ensuring that there's kind of healthy competition in the market. Um, as I say, you know, we got some great coverage, but the overall the kind of outcome that we really wanted was to ensure that there was visibility for smaller players. Um, it's ongoing, like I say. <laughs> Yeah. It's by no means solved, but it's uh, that was a moment that was a really great feeling for us. Yeah, great. Well, that well, that sounds like it's straight out of the Higginson strategy playbook. Actually, and lots of our yeah. our clients have got uh, uh, will know that tactic, and it's great to hear that it that it um, really works for you as well. That kind of open letter, pulling people together, getting yeah. that media coverage, and and uh, and then using that to drive forward policy change is is. Exactly, uh, yeah is a really good effective way of doing things for uh, communications professionals listening to that and um, so that's something that sounds like really proud moment for you have there been any um communications failures that you look back and and uh, wish you'd done done things differently or just or just think oh we didn't quite hit the mark there um that's a that's a tricky one i mean i think um 
Nothing jumps to mind specifically. I think there's there's definitely a couple of times. I think from a comms perspective, it's always really important that you're definitely adding things of value to a conversation. And with kind of world events over the last few years, you know, there's been moments where I think we've perhaps put a put a perspective forward on something and then in hindsight you think actually we probably didn't have the full picture at that point. We could have just sat back and waited a little bit. Um, so, can you, can you be specific on what that one might be? <laughs> well, it's hard. I mean, it's it's hard. I think um, I'm trying to I'm trying to think in particular. I can't think probably, of anything, honestly. Probably a great specific. example right now, going on in the world at the moment, would be the, yeah. the uh, situation in Israel and Palestine, and that would be one that maybe wouldn't be something that it would be a good idea for corporations to get involved in if they're not directly involved because you've just got too many people sharing opinions on something that um it's just so complex uh, with with uh, both both sides of the argument there uh, and it's yeah. just very for a corporation it would be very easy to uh, seem like you're on one side or the other and uh, and uh, um and I don't think that would necessarily be a good idea for a corporation to be doing unless unless they're directly involved in the in the area. Yeah. Um, so what's um, what do you see as the kind of biggest challenge, uh, communications challenge you've got uh, uh, com- coming up? I think for us, I mean, an interesting one is going to be AI for sure, and how that's going to impact the search industry. And already is. I mean, this year we've just seen so much rapid change, and I think it's definitely changing our industry really fast. And for communications, it's going to be interesting to see how that impacts us as well. Um, I do think that the human element is still really relevant and really important, uh, but it's a huge opportunity for us at Ecosia as well. I mean, there's an opportunity for us to have a really positive green influence on, you know, and how our users interact with our search, um, yeah. you know, bringing in suggestions for how they can make greener choices in every day. Uh, so, so it presents an opportunity, but of course, um, we're a small company. <laughs> we're not Google. We've got, you know, a hundred or so employees total. <laughs> so, so it's trying to keep pace with these, these rapid changes. And I think that's, that's interesting. And then of course, from the comm side of that, um, it's actually like, if we have a, a chatbot, how do we want that to sound? How, you know, what do we want it to be saying? What's, what's our position on various things? Yeah. Um, so it, it's a it's an interesting comms challenge as well. I think. Great. Well, um, yeah. I mean, already I I, I tell um, uh, staff at Higginson Strategy use ChatGPT for that kind of initial draft of maybe a comment piece. Use it for that research element. Anything that might speed up the process, uh, make yeah. make things um, uh, 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 keep keep you know make better use of budget is is always a good thing but how 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 is a, a ai affecting the search engine uh, world at the moment and i i can't think exactly how that would be well i mean chat gpt for example um is a is an example of if you can access that tech then you just have you know the way that people are interacting with search changes really rapidly and so an example like one that I hadn't even thought about was when you first used Google, if you asked a question, you'd often just type in, I don't know, one or two words. Yeah. 
and then now if you think about up. how you yeah. how you interact with it you without thinking you can type in an entire question you know with a question mark or and so it's kind of it's kind of interesting these things just happen without you even yeah. realizing that you're doing it and so I think things like chat GPT are gonna infiltrate into search and how people interact with search um, yeah, exactly. very very rapidly and yeah yeah and so so for us it's it's keeping keeping a pace with that tech and making sure that we can give our users uh, the experience that they are getting used to perhaps um, or new users who might be coming over from other search engines that they can have that that kind of experience with us as well yeah and I suppose those those search engines have to be really really clever because if they're if they're guessing what question you're about to ask, um, there'll be some questions that people ask if they're adults. They might ask an adult question, and um, and it needs to make sure that if a child's on there and it's about to start a question, that it's not throwing up a potential adult question uh, that they're not otherwise going to be asking, even if that's something that's searched search more often. Um, so, so that's probably something quite complex, I'm sure, behind the behind the scenes there um, going on, yeah. and I, I could see how there'd be lots of potential for things going on. Because as you do start searching, and you you kind of get a view on what people in your country are asking about that particular subject, don't you? Because it yeah. starts on on what it starts throwing up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Where do you where do you get your uh, news from? What's the media that you read or uh, watch or listen to uh, personally yeah yeah I mean I, I I guess I would read a lot of um I try and get a, a range but um I do read a lot of uh, European UK media um because Great. I do want to keep brought you know keep on top of that of course I read the local local news as well Australasian can news you, can you name any names of any of the publications that you uh read I am. I have to say, I'm drawn to the Guardian. Um, I think their climate coverage is fantastic, um, and it, you know they've brought it front and center, which a lot of publications haven't. So it really gives you that that in depth climate coverage, which is great. Um, I'm very aware that you know that's not necessarily a broad <laughs> view on things. Um, yeah. It aligns perhaps with with where I sit, but I want to be sure that I'm I'm trying to keep an open mind and make sure I see all the perspectives yeah. as well so right. but i'd say the guardian for, for me is, is a um it's a favorite a, I, it's a go-to yep <laughs> yeah um and then in terms of getting the message of a cozier out there uh what are the mediums that that, that you found most effective i mean for us traditional press has still worked really well and so we have um, done press in our core markets for a number of years. Um, and tell us what those core markets are. Yes, our core markets are um, Germany, our home market is our, is our biggest market, UK, France and the US. So we've got those four core yeah. markets. Um, we are expanding in a, we're present in a, a 80, 186, I think it is, but yeah. um, th- those are the ones where we really focus press activity, I would say. Um, so traditional methods, but we definitely, we have a really amazing in-house creative and content team. We have a fantastic blog with incredible content on there. We have really great social channels. They're an amazing way of getting stories out there and cover, um, you know, we often do a kind of a, a real hybrid mix. So we'll have a press push. We'll have a, a content piece going out. We might have a YouTube video. We have a really strong YouTube 
channel as well with um, a whole lot of videos from our projects. So our team is regularly traveling with our um, expert tree team to the different projects and we go and take take footage and have kind of educational videos and they're, they're really fantastic. So recommend you check them out, Kevin. <laughs> Great. Well, I'm glad you say traditional media because so so many so much of the PR industry pivoted almost almost kind of let go of traditional media and said, oh, it's it's all going digital. All people are the only way people are getting news is they're going on social media and they're and they're you know uh, going on different things and getting those recommendations. But what we're finding more and more actually is as as trust goes away, people are actually going back to those traditional media that they can trust again because actually I think we found a kind of we're in this era era rather of people really not knowing what they can trust as everyone almost threw away traditional media and said oh we don't need that anymore we can get just get the internet means we can get news from anywhere we can get the truth from anywhere and what we found is the exact opposite you you just didn't know what you could trust so you actually do need some of these gatekeepers and everyone was trying to throw away the gatekeepers and say we don't need journalists anymore um you know we can we can get the news at source um so we're finding that as well actually more and more people are saying right we actually want really good quality uh uh news providers to act as those gatekeepers and tell us what 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 the truth is because uh as we're finding you know rogue states are as much as possible um you know iran russia china even pushing out these kind of farms of misinformation and 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 uh, having effects on uh um elections around the world and all sorts of other things uh, we found yeah. it in, uh, in 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 the uk even with um uh with our election on the eu and 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 they found it in the us on on, on their their general elections yeah um, what do you do to de-stress? <laughs> well, I <laughs> I um, get into the garden and I have to say I've got into making sourdough. I, I actually was not even during COVID after oh. the fact. So everybody else had, you know, gotten over it. And then I just yeah. got into it um, about a year ago and I'm really, I'm really loving it. Um, it's good. So I find that very relaxing. I hang out with my, my daughter. Um, we do a lot of bike rides and um right. yeah a lot of walking I mean I just live in this honestly it's a bit of a paradise so we have the beach just five minutes bike away and nice. the mountains you know within an hour so it's, it's well, tell us whereabouts you are in, in in New Zealand then I'm sure everyone wants to go there now yeah sure uh so, uh, so I'm in Nelson which is at the top of the South Island um Very sunniest nice. spot and nice. yeah it's a, it and calls itself a city it has a cathedral but it's uh it's not a big city so um, I definitely miss some of the the aspects of living in a big city, but um, what we get in terms of our lifestyle and being close to family is pretty wonderful. Nice. I'm glad that in New Zealand you've you've taken on the UK definition of a city, i.e., you need a cathedral. I'm sure you can't do that in every part of yeah, the world. Yeah. Obviously, in yes. in non-Christian parts of the world, they must have some different definition. Um, no, we or, have a lot of traditionally uh, Christian. Traditions. Yeah, no, yeah, a lot exactly. of UK traditions, classic roast meals, etc. So, yeah. Great. Final question. If you'd give one piece of advice to yourself at the start of your career or earlier on, what would it be? I mean, I might, 
I would probably say to myself, make sure you really care about the purpose of the company where you're working. In saying that, I honestly look back at my career and I think I do think everything's kind of happened for a reason in a way. So I do think those moments when I wasn't doing for purpose work, I was learning a lot uh, and it's kind of all made sense. So, you know, but I maybe, I maybe could have, could have found my way into purpose work um, sooner uh, because it does just bring me a lot of satisfaction and I feel, I feel like I'm doing something positive. So. Yeah. Great. Uh, you couldn't be a better advert for for us. So if uh, if you're listening to this and want to do more communications work, please come and speak to me. Anyway, this uh, Susie Petty, uh, Global Communications Manager at Ecosia. Thanks very much for joining me. Uh, you're speaking to me, John Higginson, on Communicating Purpose. And today's episode has been produced by Joe Leonard Waters. Thank you so much for having me.